any of their troops out, they've moved more troops in. Number one, number two, we have reason to believe that they are engaged in a false flag operation. They have an excuse to go in. Every indication we have is they're prepared to go into Ukraine, attack Ukraine. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. Good morning from me, Peter Lewis. It's 8.03 in Hong Kong. Welcome to the end of the week. This is Money Talk on Radio 3 on Friday the 18th of February. Hong Kong reported 6,116 new COVID cases on Thursday, a new record daily toll for the city. There were also around 6,300 preliminary cases and a record 24 deaths. Chief Executive Carrie Lam said the government will consider rolling out citywide COVID-19 testing when relevant capabilities are ramped up with support from mainland authorities. The Hong Kong General Chamber of Commerce has revised downwards its 2022 growth forecast for the local economy to 1.2% and called for more relief measures for businesses in next week's budget. The Chamber's annual growth projection was 1.6 percentage points lower than its estimate in December before the city was hit by the latest COVID outbreak. The business group also raised its year-end unemployment rate forecast from 3.7% to 4.8% and reversed its retail sales projection from 5% growth to a contraction of 2%. The HKGCC also proposed a 100% profits and salaries tax reduction, subject to a ceiling of $20,000. Singapore has reaffirmed its 2022 economic growth forecast and raised its reading for last year ahead of today's budget in the city-state. The Ministry of Trade and Industry said GDP is likely to expand 3% to 5% in 2022, restating its November estimate. It also upgraded 2021 growth to 7.6% from an earlier estimate of 7.2%. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Andrew Ferris at UCAP Hong Kong Asset Management and Kenny Wen from Everbright Securities International. With a view from India is Toby Lawson, CEO of Society General India. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. On Wall Street, U.S. stocks have tumbled after President Biden warned that Russia is set to invade Ukraine within days. Earlier in the day, the Ukrainian army claimed that Russian occupation forces controlling breakaway eastern regions of Ukraine had shelled more than 20 separate locations. Traders dumped stocks and headed for haven assets, including treasuries, gold and the Japanese yen. The S&P 500 index closed down 2.1% at 4,380, taking its losses for 2022 so far to over 8%. The Dow dropped 622 points to 34,312 in its worst decline of the year. The Nasdaq Composite Index faced the brunt of the losses, tumbling 2.9% to 13,717. The the CBOE's VIX Volatility Index, known as Wall Street's Fear Gauge, jumped to 28.1, above its long-term average of 20. In Europe, the Stock 600 Index fell 0.7%. The UK's FTSE 100 is down 0.9%. 
Hong Kong stocks initially advanced to a near three-month high yesterday morning, but stocks tumbled following reports that Ukrainian armed forces had fired mortar shells and grenades in eastern Ukraine. The Hang Seng Index hit a low as the afternoon session opened before rebounding to close 74 points or a third of a percent higher at 24,793. The Hang Seng Tech Index rose 0.8%. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composite Index gave up early gains to close just two points higher at 3,468. Standard Chartered reported a big miss in fourth quarter earnings. The lender reported a pre-tax loss of 208 million US dollars in the fourth quarter, missing a consensus estimate of a pre-tax profit of 288 million. The loss narrowed, though, from $449 million reported a year earlier. The lender also announced a $750 million share buyback and increased its dividend to $0.12 cents a share. The bank said it would invest $300 million US dollars in its China business and sought to cut another $1.3 billion in costs. Shares of Standard Chartered closed 2.2% lower in Hong Kong yesterday. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil fell 1.3% to $92.91 a barrel as optimism over a nuclear deal with Iran outweighed the Russia-Ukraine pessimism. Gold has jumped to its highest level since June 2021, trading at $1,900 an ounce this morning. The US 10-year Treasury bond yield fell 7 basis points to 1.97%. And in the currency markets, the euro is trading at $1.13.7 cents. The Japanese yen is half a percent firmer at 114.9. Sterling is at $1.36 cents and 10 Hong Kong dollars and 62 cents. The Chinese yuan is at 6.33 and a half in offshore markets and Bitcoin tumbled 8% to $40,500. In Asian stocks, the ASX 200 this morning in Australia down 0.9%. The Nikkei 225 has tumbled one and a quarter percent at the open in South Korea. Stocks lower there. The Cosby down 0.8 percent and futures markets pointing to a loss of 200 points for the Hang Seng at the open this morning. Nine and a half. We have with us, as always, on a Friday morning, Andrew Ferris, Chief Strategist at UCAP Hong Kong Asset Management. Morning, Andrew. Good morning. And also with us is Kenny Wen, Wealth Management Strategist at Everbright Securities International. Morning to you, Kenny. Good morning. So, as we heard there, Hong Kong sadly has reported another 6,116 new COVID cases, a new record daily high, and also around 6,300 preliminary cases. And the total number of cases in the fifth wave stands at 23,751, which is more than all the previous four waves combined. Harry Lam said the government's going to consider rolling out citywide COVID-19 testing when relevant capabilities are ramped up, but she didn't specify if a lockdown will be imposed during the exercise. Kenny, what what are your thoughts? Do you think uh, there are any signs that uh, the government's getting on top of this? Uh, first of all, as all of us are living in Hong Kong, so we need to keep good care of us. Uh, and regarding the latest situation, I think because Hong Kong government is using the dynamic uh, civil infection policy, so 
given the infection number is keep keep going, um, a a countrywide uh, testing may be difficult to avoid. But I do think that because I'm an investment strategist, I always think that uh, Hong Kong list uh, Hang Seng Index is reflecting the uh, Hong Kong listed company revenue and profit growth. Most of them is not come from Hong Kong. So uh, for mid to long term, what happened uh, politically or economically uh, in Hong Kong may not have a huge impact on the Hang Seng Index because you can imagine that for Hang Seng, Alibaba, Chinese banking, Chinese insurance, their profit is not coming from Hong Kong. So uh, how to prevent or control the pandemic is one issue. But I don't think it will have a long-lasting impact on uh, Hong Kong stocks. Okay, Andrew, what are your thoughts? I remember I will never quote uh, President Trump in any favorable way, I hasten to add. But uh, knowingly, he actually said, the more you test, the more you're going to find out. So a, a, a countrywide or a, um, let's call it region-wide test of 7.8 million people, one has to be prepared that you will end up with several hundreds of thousands of people testing positive. Well, what are you going to do with them? Mm. In other words, uh, you know, uh, be careful for what you for what you want, because uh, God may just decide to give it to you. So, uh, also, we do know that people that test positive or negative today, three days days later, they might give you a completely different uh, test. So, testing territory wide, I'm trying to understand what it actually means okay and what it would actually try to to um let's say achieve all right so that's uh, my number one concern my number two concern is is the potential lockdown now it can take place in terms of individual neighborhoods or it can take place at an absolutely single go now uh, thinking of uh, hong kong being locked down for several days, if not weeks, means a mag- massive blow on, uh, on, on GDP and mm. on business. So it's not something that I'm sure the government is going to take lightly. Well, the, the General Chamber of Commerce has become the latest organization to revise down its growth forecast for the local economy, 1.2% uh, mm-hmm. this year. I'm hearing from various analysts much worse forecasts. Well, we had one on the show yesterday who's expecting now a double-digit uh, decline in GDP in the first quarter. Do you think it could get as bad as that? Uh, that will depend on whether Hong Kong is closed down, let's say, for one month or more. In other words, knocking out approximately 10% of business activity. If there was a lockdown, is that going to accelerate uh, the exodus of business executives and and people, company employees from Hong Kong down to Singapore and other locations? Well, this is, uh, this is, it is an almost a comical reply. The answer is, is of course not, because they will not be able to do it. Mm. Well, they're, they're finding ways at the moment, aren't they, to, yeah, to get down there? there are no flights, unless mm. you decide to swim to Singapore, you know, or whatever is the, the next nearest. So I think this is a little bit of a, of a non-starter, the acceleration of a flight, if in fact you cannot, you cannot physically leave your home. Mm. Actually, I was in London for nearly five months, three of which were during the complete lockdown. And uh, it is deadly serious, actually. I was only able to go out to the supermarket and to, to the local pharmacist. And that was that. Mm. I mean, it's, it's no joke. 
Yep. It concentrates your mind wonderfully, but uh, I'd rather not uh, have this repeated in Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, yep. understood. Kenny, um, yes. we've got the budget next week. Yeah. Um, what would you like to see in it that can maybe try <laughs> and help mitigate the, the, the terrible situation we're in? Yeah. As we have the pandemic for more than two years, I think uh, for business, for labor, they are waiting for another round of uh, subsidized. Because you you know, for example, uh, for uh, working in finance sectors is relatively better. But for those uh, sector for food and beverage, they are suffer a lot. So especially now, you you know that in Hong Kong after six p.m. we don't have uh, the, the, the we can't have the dinner in 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 the, in the restaurant. So you can see that there is a huge huge impact on the economy. So there may be some uh, another round of subsidies for for helping the peoples to go through this uh, challenging situation. Mm. Well, Singapore has its budget uh, today, and ahead of that, the Ministry of Trade and Industry has revised upwards its GDP forecast for 2021 to 7.6%. It's maintained its forecast uh, for, for this year uh, for, for, from 3 to 5%. And it's talking about uh, substantially easing travel and social distancing restrictions. I mean, obviously, it, maybe it's not fair to compare exactly Hong Kong with Singapore, but Singapore does seem to have got on top of this, doesn't it? Kenny? Yeah, yeah I think I, I also refer, I always refer to the, the philosophy because we're following the mainland using the dynamic uh zero infection. So uh, you can see that all around the prevention measure will be tightened compared with other countries. So I don't I don't want to make any value judgment whether it's, it's right or wrong, but under this philosophy, I can understand that uh, what the Hong Kong government is doing or plan to doing, especially with the help of mainland government. Uh, but obviously, it will hurt the Hong Kong uh, the uh, uh, economy. Mm. Um Andrew, if we look at the budget today, it looks like in many ways that they're in an interesting situation. Then now taking the view that they need to repair uh, the, the country's finances. They want to return to a fiscal uh, surplus. They're even talking about tax rises, yep. the first rise in the goods and services tax for, for 15 years. Well, it, in a sense, it represents their feeling that uh, they are on top of it and therefore they will not need to spend additional money. Uh, now, raising taxes at this level, if it is, even if it is uh, simply a thought, might sound uh, a, little bit, uh, a little bit too advanced and a little bit too strong for my, for my tastes. Uh, but I'm much more concerned, stroke interested, to see what uh, the budget uh, we're going to get in a week's time, in a few days' time, uh, is going to have uh, in the case of Hong Kong. Because we have heard before that <coughs> the accumulated uh, fiscal uh, reserves are there for a rainy day. Well, we're, good. we're having a tsunami right now. And Hong Kong, in fact, can afford to even develop a fiscal, a, I wouldn't call it a permanent fiscal deficit, but see the possibility of, uh, of running a deficit for several years. It's, it's perfectly all right. 
I mean, there's there's nothing absolutely wrong with that. And Hong Kong can borrow money. And if it should be borrowing money, well, this is the time to do it now. So do you think it should now be really looking to, to really use those reserves that we have? They're already down about 20% from their peak, but that doesn't matter, you're saying. They, the government should really dip into those reserves now and provide some fiscal support measures urgently. Uh, absolutely. There is also a political issue here. It's like saying to the Hong Kong people, the fiscal reserves are, in a way, I use the word very carefully, forced savings. Okay, so he says, well, we made you save all this time. Now this is truly unique. Okay, we are going to give it back to you, give it back to you, not uh, hand out, as, as it has already has happened. But we're going to be less uh, uh, measly about uh, maintaining a, a fiscal balance at the time, okay, that it is the, the most, uh, let's say, inappropriate time to do so. How, how should that money be given back to us? Should it be done through, what, tax cuts? Should it be done, uh, you know, targeting specific sectors or the unemployed? What's I'm the best a, way? I'm a, I'm a huge fan of uh, handing out checks. Uh, cutting tax means that uh, I will be paying less tax in a year's time. Uh-uh. Okay, that's very nice, but I want the money now. Uh, for Particularly, for example, the service sector is going to be hit very hard. The outlook for that is pretty grim. Okay, is uh, handing out money is important. It's no good giving subsidies or subsidized loans or cutting back on, on taxes. Uh, the experiment uh, twice with the 10,000 and then 5,000 handout uh, appeared to be working, albeit by boosting sales temporarily. Mm. Okay, we're not going to boost sales permanently if people know that they're receiving their 10,000 and that's it. Okay. Kenny, how would you like to see um, the financial secretary now start to use those reserves more aggressively? Yeah, before replying your, your question, I want to add one more point on Hong Kong economy because on top of the pandemic situation, I think we need to keep a close eyes on the U.S. monetary policy because we uh, the Hong Kong dollar is linked up with U.S. dollar. So usually our monetary policy will, will be follow suit. But now you can see that the economic cycle is quite different compared with Hong Kong and U.S. So if we follow U.S. to raise interest rate, even though slower and gradually, uh, seems is this mismatch compared with our own economic cycle. So it is another uh, hurdle to Hong Kong economy. Uh, regarding your question, it's very simple. Uh, I, I agree that tax cut may, may, may not be a most appropriate, situa- uh, appropriate uh, action, but I still think that another round of 5,000 uh, coupon for, 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 for purchasing uh, to increase our uh, custom uh, consumer power is one way we can consider uh, or are looking for in, uh, in coming months. Mm. On your point about interest rate rises, that um, you know we're 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 out of sync now, really, with the U.S., aren't we? We don't we we don't want interest rate rises here. But we had James uh, James Bullard, the St. Louis Fed president, talking today about even more aggressive uh, rate hikes. He wants to see them one percent by July, um, and then even further rate rises after that. Yeah. Um, how are the markets going to deal with that? I think uh, the market already pricing. A quite aggressive uh, interest rate movement, talking about 0.5% in March and five to six times interest rate height this year. Personally, I think it's too aggressive because this, uh, uh, because I, I do think that the inflation problem in US is not only driven by quantitative easing. Uh, it's 
also driven by the uh, supply chain shortage, just like the vegetable prices in Hong Kong, even though you raise interest rates in Hong Kong, I don't think you can solve the problem. Mm. So in this case, and considering that we will have the midterm election this year, if you raise interest rate too fast, too aggressive, they will hurt the economy. Uh, so I think point two five for March uh, and three to four times this year uh, should uh, will be my expectation. And in this case, I think the market already reflected in uh, U.S. or in Hong Kong stock markets. Andrew, the, uh, James Bullard says the neutral interest rate target is around 2%. I don't know how he gets to that when inflation in the US is 7.5%. But nevertheless, <laughs> if, if we do end up with 2% interest rates by the end of the year, what's the impact on Hong Kong? Well, Hong Kong interest rates will have to be approximately, again, at about 2% plus whatever is uh, the margin that the banks uh, may decide may decide to hit. That's the price we have to pay for the pegged exchange rate. This is just about the worst nightmare time to try to fiddle somehow with the exchange rate. It's bad enough what Hong Kong is being getting hit in terms of its uh, role as a finance center. Look what happens with the Securities and Futures Commission report. And that's the government itself talking. Mm. Yeah, they don't yeah. like what is happening in terms of their capacity to maintain the hub. So uh, weakening the, the peg is, is out of the question. So unfortunately, that's a price we have to pay and all the more reason to have a loose fiscal policy. Can you find a word to you? Uh, one suggestion, because the Hong Kong government announced the green bond for retail investor, this may be a good uh, investment tool for us to hedge the inflation and to earn more interest income. Uh, in, uh, for nowadays, we subject to the pandemic and subject to maybe interest rate height. This type of uh, prudence investment tool may be one of the solutions that we can consider. Okay, well, thank you both very much. Kenny Wen, Wealth Management Strategist at Everbright Securities International, and Andrew Ferris, who's Chief Strategist at UCAP Hong Kong Asset Management. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Say 24 and a half over in Mumbai, India, we find Toby Lawson, the CEO of Society General India. Morning, Toby. Good morning, Peter. Um, India plans to sell 5% of uh, Life Insurance Corporation. That is uh, India's biggest insurance company, isn't it? This could be India's biggest IPO ever as well. Tell me a little bit about that. Depending on how you see the market conditions, around 8.5 billion uh, USD uh, issuance. It's it makes up um, the equivalent of 50% of all IPOs in India last year. So it's massive. And last year, the largest insurance company in the market share, basically, should be It's a lot of that. In India, it represents 4% of the listed stocks in the NNC. So that was one very big IPO. Mm, I, I think, um, Toby, we're going to have to call you back because um, it's unless you can maybe try and speak a bit closer to the microphone because it's really breaking up very badly. Okay, is that better, Pete? Yeah, that's, be that's better, yes, yes. Um, 
Also, the other thing that seems to be going on in India at the moment, a lot of concern over Chinese apps on over national security concerns. India's banned 54 Chinese apps now. It seems to really be disengaging, doesn't it, from uh, from China in all sorts of ways. Yeah, it seems to be a trend that's going on uh, in uh, between India and China, and there's you know talk both ways. You know, it's still a very big bilateral trade arrangement, 125 billion uh, worth of which uh, most of it's obviously coming in from China versus going the other way. But recently, 54 apps um, of Chinese uh, origin have been banned. But these are actually ones that were probably banned and have been rebranded and rerouted through other countries and sort of been picked up. And the government's concern here is around, uh, you know, data, critical permissions and sensitive data being sent back through these apps into China. So... Um, yeah, it's certainly, um, you know, reached the news and uh, I'm not sure particularly what the apps are in terms of detail, but um, it's a total of about 224 apps in the last uh, year or so. Mm, and, and it's banned um, the Free Fire game. I think that's India's most popular mobile gaming uh, title, which is made by Seacore, uh, which is a Singaporean company, although it does have a founder who was born in China. He's now a Singaporean citizen. The company's listed in Singapore. It uh, has most of its business operations there, although um, its biggest shareholder is Tencent. Um, it's interesting that it's going after that as well. Well, I think what they're finding is that some of these apps that were banned uh, were rebranded and sort of rerouted uh, through Singapore or through the US or through other countries. And uh, yet, uh, in terms of investigation, you know, that data can flow back through to, to China. So I guess that's the, the area where they're attacking those that uh, still have a connection back into China. Um, and interestingly, I think it, it it's... It's trying to pick up apps that uh, you know are in the in the public domain of the size that you mentioned about the the C uh, C Corp's Free Fire, but it's also those with a low low social profile, where they're probably you know, operating without too much attention. And so there's quite a lot of focus on this area and cyber, as you know, uh, and uh, data is really you know the story of the coming years, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. Um, what about the Fed minutes? We had those out this week. Um, no shocks there, really, were there? Still talking about uh, the, f- the first rate increase uh, next month, although James Bullard today was saying that the, uh, the Fed may need to be even more aggressive to get on top of inflation, and he wants to see rates at 1% uh, by July. Are the markets prepared for this? I think the markets are a little relieved um, in terms of the actual Fed minutes and what they came out, use, you know, use of the word measured, um, which would suggest they're not panicking at this point, although they're clearly moving into a reduction of the accommodation and a, and a higher rate uh, positioning. Um, the word inflation, I gather, was mentioned 73 times during the minutes. So clearly that was the topic of conversation. I think the only other word that may have been mentioned might have been Russia. And of course, that's going to uh, pervade uh, the news wires and the markets over the next coming days. Um, and until that's resolved, I think, the, you know, the the story about inflation will continue to persist, but may may just be off the main headlines. And I think the market is looking for a measured approach by the Fed and is probably well positioned accordingly. Uh, and most of the volatility we're seeing is not related to inflation right now. Is there, though, still a mismatch between what the Fed is saying, which is that it needs to tackle inflation, and what it's actually doing? Because even if we have seven rate hikes this year, that's only going to get interest rates to around one and three quarters, maybe two percent, when inflation is seven and a half percent. They're still way behind the curve, aren't they? And monetary policy is still very accommodative. 
Yeah, I think you, yeah, there is a mismatch, but part of it would be an expectation that uh, prices will uh, normalise to some extent with supply chain mm-hmm. and growth, that the economy can absorb uh, uh, this uh, period of higher inflation for a period uh, and that ultimately with some base effect as well added in that the picture on inflation will improve at a time when they're, when they're um, lifting rates. I think it's all about balancing, isn't it? It's all about trying to get it right at the right timing. They don't want to frighten the market too much, but at the same time they need to move on rates uh, and need to move on monetary policy. So this balancing act, uh, markets, uh, you've seen, are very volatile at the moment. So it's really challenging for the markets to work out the direction over the medium term. I think the Fed are trying to keep calm and try to keep measured. But whether they can stay uh, behind uh, to the extent that they are, that'll be remain to be seen. Okay, thank you very much, Toby. Have a great weekend. That's Toby Lawson, the CEO of Société Générale India. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. The final look at the markets for this week, the ASX 200 in Australia off 1%. Stocks in Japan also following Wall Street lower, the Nikkei 225 down 1.3% there. The Cosby in South Korea also in the red off 3 quarters of a percent. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to open about 200 points lower. Uh, Brent crude oil is around the same as the New York close at $92.91 a barrel. But gold is moving ahead. It's now above $1,900 for the first time since June last year. It's $1,902 an ounce right now. Thank you very much for listening this week. Have a great weekend. Stay tuned for the COVID updates with Janice Wong and Andrew Work after the news. The weather forecast... Cloudy and cool with one or two rain patches. Temperature's going to linger around 16 degrees and it's going to become appreciably colder tomorrow with heavy rain and remain cold with rain on Sunday and Monday. Temperature right now is 15 degrees, 84% relative humidity. A strong monsoon signal is in force. It's 8.32. Here's Andrew Shorosky with the half-hour news. Top epidemiologist Benjamin Cowling says Hong Kong needs to change its strategy of hospitalizing all COVID patients. Professor Cowling from the University of Hong Kong School of Public Health said he was very concerned about seeing photographs of patients lying in hospital beds outdoors while waiting to be admitted. He said mild COVID cases should be allowed to isolate at home. I'm very, very concerned by the images of patients waiting outside hospitals to be admitted when we're very aware that there's thousands of new cases every day. The hospitals don't have capacity for any more cases. And, for example, yesterday they only discharged 200 COVID cases. So they're not making space for for patients to be admitted. And we know most of the people admitted in hospital actually have relatively mild symptoms and could isolate themselves at home. Professor Cowling was asked what he thought of the plan to stage mass citywide testing. I think it would be a a mitigation strategy rather than a containment strategy because the the way the epidemic's going, by early to mid-March, there would be hundreds of thousands of cases potentially picked up in a mass testing exercise in the city in early and mid-March with repeated cycles of mass testing. And there's no way we can find isolation facilities for all of those people, plus potentially quarantine facilities for their contacts. Yesterday, health authorities relaxed the criteria for discharging COVID patients to free up space at isolation facilities. Patients now can go home to quarantine in as few as seven days after testing positive if their rapid antigen test results come back negative. 
Russia has threatened to respond militarily if the U.S. fails to meet its security demands and has raised the stakes, saying it now wants all U.S. troops out of Eastern and Central Europe. The warning came in a formal response to an American letter rejecting Moscow's demand to bar Ukraine from NATO membership. President Biden said a Russian invasion could happen within days. They have not moved any of their troops out. They've moved more troops in, number one. Number two, we have reason to believe that they are engaged in a false flag operation. They have an excuse to go in. Every indication we have is they're prepared to go into Ukraine, attack Ukraine. A New York state judge has ruled that the former president, Donald Trump, and two of his children must comply with subpoenas issued by the state attorney general and give evidence under oath in her investigation into fraud. Letitia James has been looking into the Trump organization's affairs and whether it improperly stated the valuations of various 